0: I'm always amazed because when I'm sitting there, I just, you know, I haven't really talked to uh, Mary, I haven't talked to the worship team, and uh, I haven't really had that conversation. Yet, at the same time, it amazes me how God lines it all up, what He wants to do, right? And, And the amazing thing about that, thank you, my lovely wife, awesome. So... God has lined it up, and the, and the amazing thing about that is, um, then you know, okay, maybe I don't have the right message this morning, but you do when you see, when you see what God wants to do, right? So I'm hoping that you brought your Bibles this morning, um, as well as we're going to look at the truth, we're going to look at the Bibles, if this stand will hold my Bible, come on now. There we go. Oh. Dropping all over the place. That's okay. So, so, many of you know, if you don't know, we were away for about two months. That's the first. <laughs> but it was good because we heard about what you guys were experiencing here in the winter. But at the same time, we were on an, uh, in New Zealand. We were in Australia and Indonesia. So, we got an opportunity. I'm going to talk a little more about that, um, what, that what that entailed. But before we do, let's just, come on, let's just, Holy Spirit wants to move here this morning. Let's just take a moment. Father, we just thank you, God. We just thank you, Father. Come on, let's just just let the Holy Spirit have His way with you this morning. Father, that you would speak to our hearts, our minds. Lord, that you would release, release us this morning, Father, from things that are gripping us, that are taking us, in the wrong directions. And Lord, we pray that you would restore to us, God, the joy, the joy of our salvation. Father, we pray for that re- restoration of peace. So we thank you, Lord. We just lift you up this morning. We lift you up. We say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, thank you Lord, thank you God. Okay, so now I was, I was sensing this when I was sitting there and, uh, and I <clears throat> listened to the promptings of the Holy Spirit but I really believe this. Listen, God wants to do something and this, this place is going to explode. We've said that and you're going, yeah, when is it going to happen? And we've heard that before, right? And then all of a sudden the waterfall comes. It starts as a trickle. Right? It starts as a trickle, and you heard that trickle, but you know, and if you own a house, if you have a basement, you know trickles are not good in your basement. No, they're not good, okay? If you see a crack in your wall, you know that's not good, okay? And if you ignore that crack for a while, it tends to get bigger, and something else happens, and then before you know it, you're in talking to the insurance company or whatever. Well, let me just say that there is something happening in this place. I really feel it in my spirit. And this morning, we're going to hold hands before we get into the message. And I'm going to talk a little minute about the background of why I'm going to be talking about this, because that's important. You say, why? And we're going to talk about Holy Spirit recalibration. Holy Spirit, if you want to write down the title, Holy Spirit recalibration. Recalibration is an adjustment adjustment. It adjusts you. It actually, you you start to think in a different way. It changes the way you think or the path or direction. That's the definition of recalibration. And I'm going to show you something in a minute about that. But before we do that, I really sense listen, when, when Holy Spirit wants to show up, one of the things that's important is that we have our buckets ready, right? We have, as they say, you know, we're ready for that. And I really believe that we're going to need a place we're going to need a place. And not only that, we need a cafe, too. And I know that's, that's something that we do together as a team. That's not on me. That's on you, because we are the church, right? It's not just me. And so this morning, I before we get into the message, I want us to, to I don't know who that person's sitting beside you. Hopefully he smells good. Um, put on the... Uh, but we want you to hold their hand, and we want you to pray with us to believe God for a place. Because when God starts to pour out, it's not just going to be happening on a Sunday. It's going to be more than a Sunday. And people are going to come in, and they're going to be and God's going to draw them. You see, God does the drawing, the seed. Oh yeah, we get the plant. We get to do the sowing, but it's Him. He causes a seed to grow so that we can go to bed at night, which is nice, right? Get to sleep like the farmer. He goes to bed at night because he knows that, what he, did, that he did what he was supposed to do. And so God wants to do that. So we just want to say, come Holy Spirit. We want you to agree with us, okay? As a church and say, listen, we, we need a place. We don't even know where that place might be. We've looked at some places, but we want to believe God for that place. We want to believe God because when the waterfall comes... That trickle, that waterfall, and the cracks are starting. I'm starting to see some cracks, right? And there are a lot of broken people out there, right, that need Jesus. And we want to lift Him up. We want them to meet Jesus, right? Only Jesus can save, right? And so we want to pray for that. And also a cafe. I really believe that too. I believe that's an opportunity ministry. So grab that person's hand. Let's do that. You've been praying on your, on your knees, which is good, but we, wanna, we want you to, as a group here, we want to say, okay, Father, Holy Spirit, as a group, I want you to unite, and let's not make this a one-time thing. Let's not make this a one-time thing, church. Love it. Some of you are standing. I love this. This is like a train. Let's do that. Stand up. Brother, I don't know how that happened, but the Holy, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, yeah, let's stand. If you can stand, if you can't, just put your hand on the person's head then, if they're okay with that. All right? Or shoulder. Actually, shoulder would be better. All right? And so what we want to do, we want to believe, because it is as a team, and we're going to look at that later on as we look at the Scriptures, as we look at the Word of God, and we're going to take the Word of God seriously this morning, and we're going to act upon it. So right now, we're just going to Begin to pray. And I'm not going to do the praying. I'm going to ask you, just in your own spirit, cry out. Ask God, we need a place. We need a place. Why? For the lost to come. So let's just begin to pray as a church. Let's do it Korean style. Let's start praying. You pray out as God's Holy Spirit leads you. Continue. Let's do that. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He's chosen for us. He's chosen, he chosen for us. Yes, Lord. Father, oh, we just say still show us our Lord. Come, come oh, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It was a place, Lord where the people can come. Yes, yes. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. The fervent, the effectual prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Come on, righteous men and women. Come on, sons and daughters. He hears. He is listening even now as we as a church, as we as a people together, as we begin to say, God, We need a place, Father, that you would show us, that you would reveal it to us, God. Let's step out on that one with faith and believe that, God. Thank you. Thank you. You can be seated. And let's keep contending for that. Let's keep contending for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Awesome. You know, um, Holy Spirit recalibration. One of the things that I found that we had to do when we were on this trip is we had to get used to uh, different countries. And in different countries, they have different ways to drive. And so when we got to New Zealand and we had to, I had to, all of a sudden, I could not drive on the right side. I wanted to drive on the right side. But I looked at a sign and the sign said, and it was in, in New Zealand, this huge sign that said, left live, right die. And these kind of images would, 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 become, you know, would hit me. And then even when they give you the driver's manual, it would tell you. It was so crazy because, come on, you know, we've got the blinker on this side. They don't. They have the wipers. So I would be getting to a turn and I would hit that and the wipers would go. And the person probably figured, oh, he's got to be a tourist. He's got to be a tourist. And I needed to recalibrate. I needed to make an adjustment because I was driving. I had to drive on the left side. And there were a couple of times that I did drive on the right side. Thankfully, I'm standing. Nothing happened, but I've heard of stories um, with that. And so when we look at the Word of God, when we look at what God wants to do in our own lives We need to calibrate and the reason for that is because we do get, we do get like a pencil. You've got to sharpen it. We do lose our edge and as I began to think of this message, I was really um, thinking about it because we ended up, um, as we went from New Zealand and we saw this amazing, amazing mountains and and were just phenomenal, started to do two to three hour hikes a day. and my legs were wondering, this is not you know, normal, but we got used to that. Then we did another one, a 19-kilometer hike, which was another six hours. But the views were so spectacular. And you began to realize, as the Word of God said, that, um, Oh, Sovereign Lord, you have created the heavens and the earth, and by your power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to get a recalibration in our spirits to begin to see who God is and what He can do in this church, in you, and in the communities that we are. Because once we get to see that and we get our eyes off ourselves, things start to change. Okay? And so we're going to start off here with um, the island that we ended up on. And so, when we were in Indonesia, we ended up going to Bali. And one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Indonesia, I figured this is a place that's really, really close to New Zealand, and it's my dad's birthplace. is one of the reasons. And my dad grew up, was born in in Indonesia, and he grew up, and he was there until about 11 years of age. And as many of you know, some of you might not know the story, but he ended up, uh, when the Japanese took over Indonesia, and they occupied it, My dad at the age of 7 to 11 would be in the Japanese concentration camp. Now from age 10 to 11 he would have to go into another camp. See they would put the women and children in one of the camps and then they would put the men, the boys that they figured could do the work of a man in the other camp. And so my dad at the age of 10 he started to do the work of a man. And you know how long a 10 year old is going to last at that. And... uh, as I was there, it hit me like it just really the emotions of realizing how close my dad came to death. And realizing again the grace of God. And, and when you begin to see the grace of God, that's, you start to recalibrate your heart. You start to look at the things that were once a value to you. And that maybe you were chasing, maybe you've gone after some things and you begin to say No. This is not really worth my time. This is not worth my energy. And you begin to refocus. And I believe that's the message this morning that God is calling us, each one of us. He started to do that in my heart. I didn't realize, but when we got to Indonesia, not only that, about my father, but we would end up on this island, Raja Ampa. Now the reason we went to this island, which is really close to West Papua, Okay? So you had to go uh, on a plane to, one, to, to this place, one destination, then you had to take another plane, then you had to take a ferry for two hours, and then when you got there, you were going to be in this longboat, which let me just say, is probably from about here, at the end of the sign, to about here, and only four people, and all your stuff was put on a t- inside a tarp, and now you're going open ocean with this longboat. So, it was definitely for the intrepid Traveler, the fearless traveler. And, you sh- and I have a picture of my wife's face. You can see her with the rain and the waves. Are we going to make it? But <clears throat> God knew. And so we ended up on this island. And the beauty of this, the beauty of this, again, where this, where this message started to work in my own heart, and I believe that's so important. If it's not working in your heart, then don't share it until it is. But this was sort of what God started to do, recalibrate in my heart. Because we can get layers. We can get layers, you know, layers as far as the cold is to keep us uh, you know from getting cold, but we also can get layers of uh, fat where we don't exercise and things and that's not good. And so God started to work. He brought us to this island, Rajamph. There's no electricity, there's no Wi-Fi. We had, didn't know how remote this would be, be from the real world. And I remember my wife saying to me, she said this, we're going to have some God time. And Was she right? Because there's nothing. And so for, for 10 days, 9 days, we would be on this island. And this is when God began to recalibrate our hearts. I had a, a book in my hand, which I encourage you, if you've, never, if you've never heard of Francis Chan, but a book called Letters to the Church. And in that, he starts to challenge your spirit, where you are at in your walk with Christ as well. And so here we are on this island. <clears throat> and and it, God just starts to show us what is really, really important. Because I believe we can get caught up. We get caught up in what the culture tells us is important, right? And so I'm going to show you something here. Just to kind of give you an idea. Because now what I have in here, anybody have an idea what this is before I even open it? Tool. Okay, anybody else? See how. <clears throat> okay, so in my hands, I hold a drone. Okay, and this drone, I'm just going to take it and show you what happened, what happens to a drone. So uh, with a drone, let me take this off here, because I want you guys to really see what happens. Okay, there we go. Now, what with this drone, these these legs, I'm not going to take them. Well, maybe I am. I'm not going to do it. Yes, I am. I guess. All right. See what happens when you're. There is a way to do this. Okay, so what you see now is a drone and the object lesson, because I want you to really remember this. Okay, on this drone right now and obviously it is shut off but this is what we call a gimbal. And the gimbal actually holds the camera. So what's really important for this drone is that it has an idea of its whereabouts. And when, when the gimbal is off this camera is off. And so now when you're shooting whether whatever, you know you're taking aerial photography the landscape can look like you know weird. It looks like, you know, off and everything. And and this starts to go all over the place and it goes starts to go wild. And so what you have to do is you have to do a recalibration. Yes, folks, a recalibration. So what you do is, it, you turn it like this, and you walk it around so it gets used to its surroundings, and then you take the drone and turn it around like this. And the purpose, the purpose of that is so that it can see level. And I really believe that when it comes to our lives, we need recalibration. And it's not just a one-time thing, is it? When you think about it, is it a one-time thing? It's renewal. It's called revival. It's called awakening. I remember uh, the story of a guy who was so hungry for God. We were down in Kansas City and his story was he was so hungry for God that on his birthday when he went home for a visit, and he was at the, um, this uh, college, this Christian college, he was so hungry for God that he said, God, on my birthday, uh, more than anything else, I want to see someone come to know you. He was hungry to see God move. And, and he was so desperate. And he got into this store, and in the store, he, they asked him, you know, he started talking with them, and he was still thinking about them. He said, "What, what is your, what is your most favorite um, ice cream?" And be, and in, in that conversation, he started to think, "What is my favorite?" He started to talk about God, and and just in that situation alone, someone overheard him, and he began to describe in John seventeen what it really means to have a relationship with Jesus, what it means to make Jesus the the focus. And then things started to happen in that store. So much so that the manager said, you know, you need to go. And the cashier said, no, I don't want him to go. I want to hear what he has to say. Because something was going on inside of them. And when Jesus is the focus, when we're not caught up with everything else, when Jesus becomes the focus in our lives, people begin to see. I mean, I really want... The Bible says we're supposed to be joyful. How many Christians can you count on your hands that are really joyful? And this is what was speaking to me. Here I was on this island, and I'm thinking to myself, am I really joyful? Like if somebody were to get, a, get around me and be with me, would they actually say, wow, wow. You're like so... Why are you joyful? The world's going mad. Look at the news. Look at the... Neg- why? And yet... Here was something that I began to look at myself and say, why not? Why can't I be joyful? What are the things that are causing me to be off kilter? What are the things that are causing me to lose focus? And I began to say to myself, and I began to allow God to just speak to my heart, because there was a recalibration going on. I was beginning to say, "What are the things that are, that are they're coming? Am I really taking God's word seriously when I read it? Do I read it just because I have to? And I got kind of thinking, Or do I really, really want to hear what God has to say? Or I maybe, maybe I'm scared because what God has to say may not be like may not be what I like to hear. Right? Wow, conviction. Because, you know, if, if anybody knows me, I can be distracted. I'm, I'm distracted sometimes, you know. If I see something, I know I'm supposed to do something. And then, anybody like that? Come on, be honest. Oh, wow, good, good. Feeling at home. <laughs> but I began to see that there were things that were pulling at my heart that were distractions. And they were not the things that God. And that's so, that can happen so easy. I remember growing up, and I liked hockey. I was like into hockey. Ice hockey. If you knew, my wife would tell you on weekends, what's your Lloyd planning? Oh, man, he's planning a hockey tournament. Really? Yeah, and, and so much so, I would wear my skates to bed. Mm-hmm. Because I knew, Wayne Gretzky, I knew that when you put your skates on and, and that they mold to your feet. So I had this idea, I'm going to make them wet and they'll be better on my feet. Yeah. Mm. Crazy the things you do, Right. I would practice a lot. I wanted to be good. I mean, I got up college, but I wanted to be good. But think about that now if I turned that around and said to myself, and there's nothing wrong with hockey as long as as it stays in the rightful place, right? But if you elevate it above Christ, and that's the thing. And Christ is looking at us, and Jesus is saying, what are you elevating above me? And I had to recalibrate and began to realize that this was an idol for me. It became too much, too much of an obsession. And think about that. If that was radical, people knew I liked hockey. And, and begin to turn that around and say, okay, I want to use that. I want to recalibrate my heart so that it's in alignment with what God wants to do. Because when it's in alignment with what God wants to do, there's downloads that happen and things start to take place in my life that I could never account for because I know the credit. I could never take the credit for because it's Jesus. Right? Okay, so now we're going to go into the Word of God. We're moving into 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Okay? So if you've got your Bibles, let's look at the Word of God. And let's look at this. 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Okay? And we're going to read some of this. But before we do, I want to give you some background on this Old Testament passage. So in 2 Chronicles 32... We have King Ahaz, which is, which we move back, he was a wicked king. And instead of making God number one in the land, in the nation, he brought up Baal. And we're gonna find that as we listen to this this morning, we're gonna find similarities with our nation, Canada with the nation, the United States. We're going to find some similarities here. Because I want you to go away from this this morning and I want you to take encouragement and I want you to find freedom in your own heart to be able to lay the things down that the Holy Spirit's showing you to once again get into that place where your heart is in alignment with Him. So, King Ahaz. Remember his wife? Not, not Jezebel. You know, that was a really funny thing in New Zealand too when we were there, they would have stores named Hell. Who names their store Hell? Or a store named Jezebel? Like, maybe they don't know the whole story about it. But, but here, here was um, a situation where King Ahaz, he's 25, or sorry, not 20, I'm talking about his son already, I'm moving ahead a little fast. But King Ahaz, okay, and he ruled, wicked leader, but he had a son. Uh, with his wife, Ab- Abijah. And, uh, and her, she was the daughter of Zechariah. If you know, Zechariah, he was a priest who loved God. All right, And as King Ahaz had more than one wife, Hezekiah was born. And so here in the background, we have Hezekiah, who now he's 25 years of old, 25 years of age, and he's going to reign as king. And the amazing thing about Hezekiah is he decides, I'm not going to follow the path of my dad. Things are going to change around here. And I love that. He probably saw what was going on in the nation. He probably realized what was going on, and he says to himself, no, I'm not going to do this. So let's just turn back. Second Chronicles chapter 29, it says, Hezekiah, let's read this, began to reign when he was 25 years old, and he reigned, they say, for about 29 years as a king in Jerusalem. Okay. And I love verse 2. Listen to this. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his David, his father, had done. And I'm sure he heard the stories of David. So here he is in this situation. He starts to do right. So what does he do? He gets everybody together. And he says to them in verse 7, and then we're moving on to verse chapter 30. This is really good. You can read this on your own at home, but for the time's sake, do not be like your fathers and brethren who were unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their fathers, so that He gave them up to desolation. As you see, now be not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and come to His sanctuary, which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God. And then he talks, he says, if you return to the Lord, and then he goes on to verse 19, who sets his, his, who sets his heart to seek and yearn for God, the Lord, the God of his fathers. And then we'll go back to, we'll go to 32. But <clears throat> so there's this, Hezekiah realizes that in order to recalibrate, there has to be a seeking. You see, you limit yourselves when you only see in the natural. You've just limited yourself. If that's all you can see is the natural, you've just limited yourself. Because you haven't got a vision for what God can do through you. And a lot of times that's because you have junk. And you know what that's like. Brings coming, right? Guys, the wife wants to clean up, right? Clean up time. Or you need to get, so you need to get rid of junk. You need to clean up. Maybe it's it's time you're you're thinking about getting rid of your clothes. Whatever it is, like half your clothes. I I came back from that trip realizing, man, I don't need all this stuff. Like, I mean, you know, it's time to do house cleanup. That's recalibration. It's time to look inside of yourself. Why? Because, you know, one of the things is is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees or the Sadducees, which were the rich. Leaders, they were like lawyers who knew the law and everything. They would come and uh, they would challenge Jesus. And Jesus said to them, and Jesus wasn't very kind with them. He said to him, You brood of snakes, you vipers, you make the outside of the cup clean, but inside, you know? And, And Jesus is talking about our heart. Where is your heart? And, and we see Hezekiah realizing that they hadn't been seeking God. Things were not going well in the land. This was the time to call the people forward. It's the same thing as this church wants to move forward. As we want to go ahead, it's time to align our hearts with what God wants to do. It's time to come together as a, as a, as a, as a church. And you say, well, I don't know if my heart's out of alignment. Let me say this, you'll know. What are you thinking Do when your thoughts... Do you think about somebody negatively? Your heart's not in alignment. Have you allowed lust to grip your heart? Your heart's not in alignment. I know the Word of God talks about that we are imperfect. And I'm glad because when I look through the Bible, I look at Jacob, I look at Abraham, I look at them. They were not perfect people. But God is asking this of us. He is saying to us, listen, give me your heart. Your destiny is tied to where your heart goes. Let me say that again. Your destiny is tied to where your heart goes. Have you elevated someone higher? Maybe it's even a leader. We're not called to elevate, you know, people out there. It's sad that, let's say, if Bill Johnson showed up here, that we would all, this place would be doubly packed. That's wrong. What about if we just had... Someone come up here and just read the Bible and pray, what has happened to us? We've taken on the culture and we've, we've raised, sometimes we've raised these people and made them all-stars or superstars in our own lives, right? And God is calling us back to the simplicity of the, of the purity of seeing Him. Blessed are the pure. Why? They're going to see God. That's a Holy Spirit calibration. You can't do that in yourself, but you can align yourself. You can ask Holy Spirit to come. But think of that. Blessed, happy are the pure. And I believe pure not only means blameless, but pure means I'm not going to dilute. I'm not going to have a little of Jesus, a lot of sports, and a lot of shopping. I'm going to say, no, Jesus, you become preeminent. I wanted to bring another object lesson and just to show you what happens when you add food dye to water. A little food dye and how that gets mixed in there. But the purity of our heart, remaining pure. Because as you follow Jesus, seriously, it's going to translate. The joy is going to come. You're going to see it in your face. You're going to know it. I mean, I, I, this, this morning, it was just amazing that what God was doing. Because when you start to get connected to His heart, It's not going to be difficult to want to talk to someone about him. It is when you're not yourself. I love one pastor. He said to his elders, he said, listen, if I do not align myself, my heart with Jesus, and I'm not sincere and authentic, then fire me. Fire me. Do not let me be a leader. And I think that is challenging. And what did Jesus say? He said, listen you got to either be hot or cold. I know, but when you're you're hiking or you're sweating and you're exercising, the last thing you want is somebody to say, Hey, here, have some lukewarm water. It'll do you good. And you go, No, thank you. I want cold water. I want some ice in my water. And so Jesus is saying, What is in that heart? What you need to do is look at that inside, the inside of yourself, and say, when have I, I've caught myself, I say, I need to have your thoughts, God. Even in a situation where you may just doubt, you may even be a financial thing going on in your life, and you say, man, I just don't know, and then you're going to walk through that, you're going to praise God through that, right? That's what I love, I mean, we read the story about Job, he had it really rough, but the amazing thing is that in all of that, he never cursed God. And, and he had really lousy friends. <laughs> you know, you read Job. His friends, man, their advice was really like, man, like just, you know, his, it, it was just really bad advice. Because they didn't really know who God was. They didn't know. And when you begin to see who God is, and when you begin to know Him in your own heart, and when you begin to see Him work in your own heart, then things are going to look different. Then you're going to believe for the impossible then you're going to take on the mountains. Come on, sister. Let's go hike a mountain, right? You're going to want to do that, right? Now, you might not be ready for it, and it might involve one step at a time. I wasn't ready for the Alpine Crossing, but one of the things I remember is my wife and I doing it together was awesome because when I felt like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do this. And she'd come along and say, we're going to do this. I said, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And then she... Her as well. Like she said, no, nah, man, like we got an hour ago to, to the next plateau and we're at this plateau, the lower plateau, but the upper plateau. I said, man, it's going to probably be even more beautiful than the lower plateau. So we got to get ourselves up to the upper plateau because we got to see this. And so I was there to encourage her too, right? I need a little more water. My throat's a little dry. Thank you. And we were there, and that's what God wants as a church. He wants us to be, recalibrate our hearts so that we can say, hey, we see somebody that that's not doing, we can come alongside of them, right? We can encourage them. We can, you know, because we all need to realize. So here Hezekiah, okay, let's move back. Back to Hezekiah. We want to hear her. So here's the amazing thing sometimes I think is, is when you come to know Jesus, it's not going to be, um, there's this idea that Sometimes people are, and it's kind of coming out of there, and I just don't know where it's coming from, but that everything is going to be great when you come to know Jesus. Oh, it's going to be great because He's with you. But it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be driving this amazing car, that you're going to have no more problems with your wife or your spouse or whoever, that everything is going to be bliss. Because as Hezekiah did this, let's go to verse 20, okay? I want, I want you to follow along. How are we doing? How are we doing for time? Good. All right, verse 20 in chapter 31. So Hezekiah did this throughout all Judah, and he did what was good, right and faithful before the Lord his God. And he did seek his God. And I, and I think about that. Think about that. guys. like yearning, yearning. David talks about that in the Word. So the recalibration had to happen in my own heart because I thought man am I really yearning for God? Am I really fervently am I really desiring God more than this and and you can call it you can put in the blank. You can fill that in your own blank. Am I really really passionate about who God is? Cuz if I'm not I'm fooling myself, right? And I had to say to myself, and I I had to realize, because God, as He did the recalibration, God, are you the first one? Because, I mean, the Bible says, and I began to think about this as well, that the Bible says that a guy went and sold some pearls, and he went for this pearl called the great pearl. And then he would sell all his other pearls to get this great pearl when he found it. He found this property, he found this piece of land, and there was this amazing treasure, and that's what it is. Can I ask you something this morning, as I've asked my own self, is this, is Jesus in your life, can people tell that he is the treasure? More than money, more than your schooling, more than whatever you're going for, is Jesus... The one that you desire. I mean, I look at David. I'm saying, God, I want to be like that. Oh, man, I so want to be like that, God. And I know I fall short at it. it, But that's where I want to be. I want to be because I know I want to be more bolder in areas. I want to be this way. And even as we talked about our hearts being secure, our hearts get secure. They get calibrated. They get calibrated because Jesus takes... Just picture yourself as this drone. (laughs) And Jesus just holds you. You say, Jesus, what are you doing? I'm turning you around. Okay, Jesus, what are you doing now? I'm getting you calibrated. Right? So that I can, why? Why am I doing that? Come on. Why am I calibrating the drone? So that it can fly. So I can get it up 500 feet. And it can take awesome pictures. Amazing pictures, New Zealand of the mountains and of, I got it, okay? So I got this and we were about a mile away and we were in uh, New Zealand and my wife says, look at those dolphins jumping out there, right? So I said, I'm going to send the drone out. And it's kind of a scary thing too because sometimes you don't want to lose connection either. Oh, where are you going? So, Because if you lose connection with the GPS transmission, you lose the drone. And that's not a happy thought. Okay? So you send the drone out there. Because I thought, there's no way they're a mile out that I'm going to be able to see them. I mean, I saw them jumping. But as far as being able to get a really close image of what they were doing and seeing them, I sent the drone out. And I I was on the beach. And I was like, you know, keeping making sure I had transmission because I didn't want to lose that. And so the drone went out a mile. And sometime you can ask me and I can show you I have them on my laptop. You can see a pod. You can see these, these, this whole um, school of dolphins. And they were just, I mean, talk about joyful. I mean, they were up and they were doing flips. It was amazing. Talk about a picture of joy. Imagine if we started doing some flips and stuff like that for Jesus, right? <laughs> what would the world think? It's because we get caught up with the world. We get on the news. We do the same stuff. the world, And then we wonder why. Because we're like, we get into a conversation. Yeah, man, this world is really, it sucks. It's really bad, like with the politics and all that. And then all of a sudden, we were getting sucked in because we haven't calibrated our hearts and we've allowed ourselves to get caught up with that. And we need that calibration so that you can fly and you can get out there at about 100 feet in the air and you're going to get this amazing view of these dolphins. And when you get your heart right with God, you're going to see. You're going to see God move. But it isn't until you actually say, God, have your way. God, you're the CEO. I mean, we've got our own agendas. We've got our own way of doing things. And God says, listen, I just want to, you know, can you, will you let me? Because that's an attitude of trust. If God says to you to do that, that's an added to true trust. Um, Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, said this. He said, a follower of Jesus Christ is this. He follows Jesus Christ, but he doesn't know where he's going. Because you don't know how that day's going to look, right? When you're led by the Holy Spirit. And that's where I want to be. I want to be in that place. I may not know what tomorrow's going to look like, I may not know what a month's is going to look like. But if God says to do this, then I'm going to do it. And it may look risky. It may look reckless. But when I think of all that Jesus has done for me, when I begin to become over, and I remember being uh, overcome with emotion as I thought, man, I'm God, I'm 100% grace. If you hadn't plucked my dad out of that concentration camp, I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't be in Indonesia. I wouldn't be able to see you, or if if you hadn't. You see, he came to that situation where himself, and I and I hear this story over and over again, and every time I get more details. But in the story, um, he was at a situation where there was just um, he was in a tent. And there were dead bodies on the other side. And that night he was on a stretcher, and they didn't give him any hope. So the next morning, if he didn't make it, basically leave you there. If you make it through the night, great. We'll, we'll, but if you didn't, so here he is, 11 years of age, laying on a stretcher, the stench of dead bodies on the other side. Have, he has had no, no idea. And, and all of a sudden, He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. And he hears the voice. It's not over. It's not over for you. And then hope rises up into the chest of that 11-year-old boy. So he makes it through the night. Because he's heard the word. And when you hear the word, when you're quiet enough, When you've aligned your heart, because the Father's not going to compete. Jesus doesn't want to compete with your agenda and with your idols. It's time to lay it down. It's time to start thinking. Jesus was in the boat. And the disciples were in this boat, right? We know the story about the waves. And all Jesus said was the word. The word's peace be still. And some of you need that this morning. Some of you need Jesus to say peace be still to the storm you're facing. Or at least give you the ability to walk through the storm. I heard this, you know, about Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego. Is when they were called by the king um, to go into the furnace, the fiery furnace. And they wanted to burn these boys alive because of their stand. <clears throat> that They didn't rebuke the fire. And I never thought about that. They didn't go, Lord, we just rebuke that fire that's going to... They didn't. They didn't at all. They said, listen, God can save us, but God can also take us home. And yet with their faith, they went into that fire so much so that even the guards, I mean, the king was just literally ballistic. He had lost it. And they survived because Jesus, He saw four in the fire. Right? Blessed are the pure, for they will see God. Without holiness, no one will see God. And it's setting yourself apart by saying to yourself, this is the time. I haven't done this in a while. Yes, Lloyd did stand on a chair. But it's setting ourselves apart and saying, listen, All you that are sitting down, you can sit down for, but I'm going to stand for Jesus. No matter what it looks like, how it turns out, because he's not failed me. He was tortured and killed for me. And why can't I? Why is it so difficult for me? Because you got your heart out of alignment. And see, Hezekiah, moving on to 32, 32 here. And it says this, here I'm looking at the clock and it's on my hand. Isn't that funny? Have you done that before you know? Anybody see my glasses? You know where they are? Anybody do that? Okay. It's not an age thing. It's just like, okay, I know they're there. Okay. So, chapter 32. So after all these things, things are going good now. Because Hezekiah, this 25-year-old, he said, okay, let's do this. We're all going to seek God together. Church, let's all seek God together. Let's start to inquire of Him. Let's start to believe God for a building. Let's start to believe God for a Let's start to believe God for this. And he's saying, great, we're all on it. And guess what? He gets all Jerusalem. And everybody, there's like a revival. And then, just when you thought everything was going great, and 32, after these things and this loyalty, then Senegrab. Now, I'm not going to say this right, I'm sorry, but you know, some of these words, I mean, even the guy that got the name, Sennacherib, he's probably saying, okay, this is how you say it, okay? I've had that with sometimes, you know, your name doesn't, you got to correct them. Ninabar, no, it's Ninabar, okay, and you got to help him out. Well, I'm sure he had that with that situation too. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, he came. All right, so things are going good. Don't be surprised. And that's the word here. Don't be surprised when attacks come. Because the devil doesn't want you hard aligned. Because he knows the potential of what you can accomplish with God. Because all things are possible. To who? To who? All things are possible. Nothing is too hard for, for who? For the Lord, for you. Right? Nothing is too hard for you. Why? Because God, right? It all comes... I love that about Joseph because when Joseph was being called up, he even said to Pharaoh, he says, it's God that's going to reveal your dreams. So here we are. When Hezekiah saw that sinner, Sina, Jareb, had come and intended to fight against... We're going to call him King S or whatever, S had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem. He decided with his officers, so he starts action. I love this. He starts to put things into action. Now he comes before the people. Let's move on to verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. And I love these words. For there is another with us, greater than all those with Him. With Him, okay, let's read it, verse 8. With Him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles, the Lion and the Lamb. Who planned that song? And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. One of the other areas that God began to show me too is it will be in my own prayer life. I needed to really work on that. How many need to work on their prayer life? Come on. If you don't raise your hand. Come on, we got to, right? We all got to. And God began to show me my prayer life needed to get to another higher level. And I, and I remember saying, hearing this message, that a lot of times we allow things to... Um, to come into our lives is because we're not really taking them to God. And we started to do that even on this trip, even on some decisions we had to make. We began to ask God, what, you know, what do you want to do? And the peace of God, when you have an aligned heart, the peace of God rests in that heart. Here's another, another point. When your heart is in alignment with God, the peace of God will rule in your heart and help you in your decision making. It doesn't mean that you don't look to the counsel for others, but it does say that we take that to God first. If we were to involve God in every decision, now I'm not saying I've heard somebody, well, God told me today I'm supposed to eat Burger King. and I'm, I mean, that's fine. But, what I'm saying is more than that. What is God saying? You want to make an impact at work, then ask God, God, show me. He doesn't want you to just jump out there, but show me how. Show me how, how to get my heart at that place. And so that's what he's doing. And King Hezekiah now, he's in this situation. He says to the people, be strong, be courageous. And he tells them, because the Lord is with you. Okay, and I love it. The people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now, we don't have time, but we're going to go over. But here's where King S says this in Assyria. He says this, with all his forces... He sends his servants to Jerusalem, and he says to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah who are at Jerusalem saying this, and what do you trust that you remain in the strongholds in Jerusalem? So now he's being challenged, and you will be challenged as well. And then he goes on, has not this same Hezekiah done this, taken away the altars and this? Do you know... What, and then he goes on to say, do you know what I and my fathers have done to the other nations? How we conquered them? How we defeated them? What makes you think that you're going to have victory and overcome? Listen, I'm going to go on here. But the thing is, is that God is saying to us that when these attacks come, the best place to be is a heart that's fully aligned with him. And these attacks will come. Don't be surprised if you get attacked when you start to make decisions, decisions, serious decisions, to take the Word of God seriously. Because that's when heaven looks down. And that's when you get an awakened heart and you begin to do things that normally, that naturally, you weren't able to do, but supernaturally, you can do because you've aligned yourself with Jesus And that's what Hezekiah did. And if we read, you can read the rest of that story and read it. Because it's where he put his heart. Where he put his focus. Can I ask you this morning, where is your focus? Is it on your problems? Is it on the future? You know, know, one of the things I've done sometimes is I try to live the future before it even happens. Anybody do that? You try to, you try, I mean, what's going on, Lord? You try to pretend, you try to figure out what's going to happen the next day or the next day and how you're going to react to that. Okay, anybody like that? Come on. Okay. I know, isn't that crazy? And I think the enemy loves that. Instead of saying, man, I don't know, but I do know this, that when those attacks come, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Where's your heart this morning? Do you need to align it? Do you need some recalibration? You've allowed it to get consumed with things. This morning what we're going to do is let's have everybody stand. Let's have everybody stand this morning. And I want to encourage you as well that as as we close out, If you can help with the chairs or the, the, you know, taking down of the stuff, we really appreciate that. Because some Sundays, it ends up in two people, three people end up doing it all by themselves. So I just want to encourage you. You want to serve, here's a chance to serve. You know, help out. It makes it go quicker and it doesn't leave it up to two or three people wondering, okay. So we'd appreciate that as a church because we're all in this together, right? We're all in this together. The battle's happening. The battle's out there. But this morning, I want to encourage you. If God has been speaking, if the Holy Spirit's been speaking, and you say, you know what? I want to see a move of God in my own life. It starts here. It starts with saying, it's time to recalibrate. It's time to say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you hold me, and I'm going to let you turn about and change it. David said in Psalm 51, what created me a clean heart, oh God. A clean heart, a steadfast spirit. Create in me because only Jesus can do that. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you don't know Jesus, this is the, I want to say that Jesus Christ loves you so much that He gave Himself, that He put Himself on that cross. And He took all that torture, all the abuse, all the false accusations. You look through the Word of God and look what Jesus had to go through. And there's one reason He did it all. And that was, if you could put your name into that picture, it was for you. And He's saying to you this morning that He will offer you forgiveness as He offers it to anyone. And says, if you just come, if you just say, listen, allow me to become the Lord of your life. He will, and you will see your life changed, and you will see yourself having His peace.